2: Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On.
3: This election isn't a referendum, it's a choice. It's a choice between two fundamentally different visions of America. Oh, did you see the poll that just came out? Women love Trump. Again. Bloomberg
2: Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective. From D.C.'s top name.
3: By
4: January, I'm going to keep feeling better and better.
2: But... But Dr. Oz will still be a fraud. I will bring change to Washington so they treat us the way we deserve. You all
4: in?
3: But I know in three days, there's going to be a new day in PA.
2: Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Final countdown to the election. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics on this election eve. With final polls and predictions out. Final arguments by the candidates on the trail. We're joined by Jessica Taylor of The Cook Report straight ahead. We'll check in with Maryland Senator Ben Cardin on his way to see President Biden tonight at a rally for Democrats on the very same night Donald Trump is stumping in Ohio. We'll talk with Bloomberg's Ryan Teague Beckwith on voters splitting the ballot, and we'll run it all past the panel. Bloomberg Politics contributors Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano are with us for the hour. We're going to get you set for everything that may happen tomorrow as we lay out the possible scenarios here Uh, for what could be, by the way, not just tomorrow, but days ahead figuring out what in the world happened in the midterm campaign. The midterm elections, polls open tomorrow morning. So today was the last full day of campaigning, and followed a weekend, very busy one on the trail, with Donald Trump out there, President Biden out there, too.
3: This election isn't a referendum, it's a choice. It's a choice between two fundamentally different visions of America. I've said from the beginning... My objective when I ran was to build an economy from the bottom up and the middle out. And I tell you what, it's a fundamental shift. And it's working compared to the mega, mega Republican trickle down economics.
2: Yet it's not supposed to matter based on the polls we're seeing. Republicans set to win the House. And it looks like the Senate, too. And that's where we begin with Jessica Taylor. Things have changed a lot since we started talking with Jessica a few months ago, Senate and Governor's editor for the Cook Political Report. She's with us now on Election Eve. And Jessica, uh, the momentum has been in the Republican direction now, it seems, for weeks. Will Democrats both lose chambers tomorrow?
5: The House is a farm, looks further gone than the Senate. The Senate is still very, I think it's still going to be very, very close, but Democrats wish this election had been held about a month ago. And I think yeah. they could have kept the Senate at that point. But the closer it gets to election day, the more worried um, Democrats that I've talked to have gotten and the more bullish Republican strategists that I talked to mm-hmm. have gotten. So we changed our range from, you know, a couple, back in september we said democrats we we had a range of anything from democrats picking up one seat to Mm -hmm. republicans picking up two seats um and right now we have changed it to just no net change which would mean that democrats continue to keep the senate but it's 50 50 again vice president harris is the deciding vote up to a republican gain of three seats so there are a couple of different scenarios in there we could happen we could see happen but three out of the four of those could be could be Republican uh, slipping the Senate.
2: Yeah, that's for sure. While we're talking about the Senate, you consider Pennsylvania and Georgia uh, too close to call. One could go to recount. One could go to runoff. How long will it be before we know who controls the Senate?
5: I don't think it's going to be on election night, although we could see candidates channel Trump and come out there and, and declare victory. It's I don't think the ballots are going to be as lopsided as they were amidst the pandemic two years ago. But you have places. They can't even start to count mail-in ballots until Election Day. Um, So states that have other laws where they can at least start curing them and counting them. We know those results even more. We know that Democrats are more likely to vote early or to vote absentee whereas Republicans usually turn out on election day. And if we're seeing big turnout, that's something that could benefit Republicans. It could be a couple of days, maybe even a week. Um, to, to fully know if Pennsylvania is really, really close. It was in the um, in the uh, in the Republican primary there. The Senate was decided by less than 1,000 votes between Dr. Oz and David McCormick there. And you're right, Georgia, it, it could go if no candidate gets over 50 percent then it could it will go to a runoff that's on December sixth, a month earlier than we saw two two years ago. So only maybe ruining one yeah. holiday and not other ones in December. <laughs> you know, that's a thing. Uh, yeah. so that's the and that's the question. And I think the scenario changes based on whether it that race is for Senate control. It could be deja vu again that it comes down to Georgia there and that's not a scenario that Democrats like in their right. favor. But I also think you have, of course, the Republican nominee there, football star Herschel Walker, who has been a weaker candidate. He benefits from having the Governor Brian Kemp on the ballot that actually could help him. Uh, Republicans hope get above fifty, and the runoff question is moot. Right. Yeah. But well,
2: you're also the governor's editor, as I mentioned. We're talking about the Senate here. This being a midterm cycle uh, with with no presidential election, Jessica, how important will governors be? as voters work their way down the ballots in states like Georgia?
5: Governors should be more important. I mean, they're very important. And I hope that voters have realized in the past, uh, you know, two years, how or two, two, three years, how important they have been, because we saw them making critical decisions during COVID. Mm -hmm. Really, those decisions affected you more closely than national decisions did based on where you were, based on, How many people were getting vaccines if areas were shut down, if schools were shut down? A lot of different things in there. And then the governor's races also took on an extra importance, I think, this summer when the Supreme Court Dobbs decision overturned Roe v. Wade and sent the question back to the state. So in many instances, if there was a trigger law on the books for such as such as there is in Michigan, the Democratic Mm. governor there, Gretchen Whitmer, sued to block that. Um, in Wisconsin, uh, so the Democratic Governor Tony uh, Tony Evers, who is very in danger, even more so than Whitmer, um, mm. said that he, you know, it would be an mid eight, uh, eighteen hundreds law that would go back into effect and that would even criminalize doctors for doing the procedure. Yeah. He said that he would um, essentially pardon, uh, or, or, or you know, those people that do. So you have a lot of different scenarios happening in, what, sure. in, in the abortion question.
2: Jessica Taylor, with us from the Cook Political Report. Lastly, Jessica, what, what's the House projection here? I, we've we've heard from uh, uh, quite a quite a spread here. Does does Cook have a number? Is it fifteen? Is it twenty for Republican seats in the House?
5: So our final call from uh, my colleague David Wasserman, who is our House editor, is yep. fifteen to twenty-five at this point. But if it's a wave night, that could go up to thirty or so.
2: Got it. Jessica, thanks for being with us. I wish you luck in your coverage tomorrow and come back and see us again soon here on Bloomberg Sound On. She's the Senate and governor's editor for the Cook Political Report. Be awfully uh, busy tomorrow. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington as we bring in our panel on this night before. Jeannie Shanzano is here and so is Rick Davis with me in studio here at Bloomberg in Washington, D.C., 15 to 20. I wonder how that sounds to both of you, Jeannie. What's your thought? And, And it's interesting because, Some are already suggesting that that'd be a pretty darn good night for Democrats when you look at, say, Donald Trump losing 40, right, in the last midterm.
1: I am one of those people. You I, are one of them. I am one of those people. I think if Democrats can keep the losses in the low 20s that is a good night historically for the president's party. Um, you know, obviously much better to win. I know Rick Davis is going to counter. If you lose, you can't be celebrating it. But, you know, historically as you mentioned, 40-60 that's what we've been looking at in the yeah, modern right. era with the president's approval rating the way it is, with inflation the way it is and all the other factors working against Democrats a loss of you know the low twenties is a okay night for the Democrats, and it robs Kevin McCarthy of a huge majority mm-hmm. that he needs to try to push forward some of the policies they want. So for Democrats, that would be good. Do you see
2: the Senate going too?
1: Uh, I, Does the Senate I, turn? I, I think it turns, and I, I wow. mean, you know, I think we're looking probably at uh, I'm I'm estimating a fifty two. But um, at okay. which, you know, hopefully I am wrong on that. Um But that that's what we're probably looking at at this point. And, you know, that's probably in keeping with history. If it's any guide here, that's probably what we're going to see.
2: We're throwing numbers around here, Rick. But basically what Jeannie's telling us is Republicans own Capitol Hill after tomorrow.
4: Jeannie's making me very happy. Okay, this is like she's Uh, she's got all my talking points. She's obviously been listening all year long. We don't even need future Republican Republican dominance of Washington. Yeah, look, I mean, I I, you know, twenty new Republican House members, and like he can't get done what he wants to get done. Plus, he had five a margin of five, and they got a lot done primarily because they had the Senate and the presidency. So, uh, so Joe th- Biden's
2: going to be vetoing a lot of legislation.
4: Yeah, I think, I think that that's probably the case. I think that there'll be a lot of investigations. I think mm-hmm. there'll be a lot of oversight. I think there'll, there'll, there'll be um, some pressure on you know, financial issues like the budget and the debt ceiling and things like that, that otherwise Biden didn't have too much of last time around. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that, that you got, that's a plenty in your side. You know, a margin of twenty uh, is that to, the number to you do whatever you way? want to do to accomplish. I don't want uh,
2: to put numbers in your mouth if that's yeah. The, no, that look, I'm, I
4: I think it could be bigger than that. I mean, I think you could come out of the early part of the night with just coming through the Northeast potentially with five or six pickups yeah, before you even yeah. get to the mid Atlantic, before right. Florida, before you know Pennsylvania, before Michigan. Um, so I think you have the potential, uh, really, as Jessica said, to yeah. You know, I wouldn't call it a wave, but I mean twenty five to 30 new Republican House members is is 10 or 15 less than the historical average. Mm. And I'm not sure we're bucking history here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it feels like history. It feels like every other midterm for the party out of power Gets shellacked, as Barack Obama liked to put it. Yeah, right. And I think these Democrats Although are going to get shellacked. Well, that was a
2: shellacking. That was close to the 60, wasn't it? That wow. was a record, yeah. right, yeah. I'm not going to see that tomorrow. You see the Senate flipping like Jeannie does, too? Yeah. I, I, so I you're think, going all I Republican. Think,
4: well, look, I mean, it's kind of like what Jessica said. I mean, like every poll in the last two weeks has been favorable to Republicans. Yeah. The economy uh, and uh, Biden's administration, but when you look at independent voters, it's less than 30 percent approval. Hmm. Less than 30 percent. So if you expect independents to break your way on a number one issue and your party in power, the president, has a 28 percent approval rating, you're probably pushing a big rock up a hill. Well, so, I, I, yeah, I think I think Republicans are going to get the breaks that you get when you have yeah. momentum coming into Election Day.
2: The Senate is interesting to me because they're so close to calling. we got like eight Senate races that are toss ups right now. That's a really pretty high number. Uh, John Fetterman, of course, out over the weekend with President Biden, with President Obama. My God, every president, it seemed, was walking around here, three of more at least, with Donald Trump as well. Uh, Of course, this is the lieutenant governor who suffered a stroke in May, and his health is still a major issue on the trip.
4: By January, I'm going to keep feeling better and better. (laughs) But, But Dr. Oz will
2: still be a fraud. Well, Dr. Oz actually was out there with Donald Trump in Pennsylvania that same night. I will bring change to Washington so they treat us the way
4: we deserve. You all in?
2: We'll win. God bless you. I'd love to get both of your reads on this. We've been talking about this race for the better part of a year, certainly since the primary. Uh, Jeannie, it's uh, what? It's within a point here. This is arguably the state that's going to decide the balance of power. Are you still looking at it that way?
1: Yeah, I think we are um you know and that's why everybody to your point descended on Pennsylvania this God weekend knows. and it has been a fight particularly for the suburbs and you know here's the reality as much as I would like to make Rick Davis happy today and think that I am right about this the reality is these polls are so close that if there is a huge turnout particularly among African Americans particularly among young people then It could work in the Democrats' favor in some of these tight races, and there could be a very different night. We simply don't know. And that's why you had Barack Obama and Joe Biden out there trying to weave together a coalition based on the issue of democracy, based on the issue of abortion, based on the issue of character. And I think if the Senate holds Democratic, it will be a 50-50. And if that happens, the number one reason will be character of these candidates that Donald Trump largely pushed forward. And number two will be Donald Trump himself saying for the last few days, and certainly we're hearing it right to this minute, that he is going to announce for presidency. Yeah, Those that's are the coming kinds of tonight, things. I yeah, I, I'm very—that's the best thing that could happen to the Democrats. Tonight,
2: well, you know, I guess that—I mean, geez— You know, leave it to Donald Trump uh, to take the attention away from the candidates who are actually running. But tonight, does it matter if that happens tonight? We can get into this more later. But, I mean, the the die is essentially cast here, isn't
4: it? Yeah, the die is cast. I've never seen anything happen the night before an election that actually had a material. Believe me, (laughs) and I've tried so many different things. (laughs) Um, Now, I've never tried a Donald Trump announces for president the night of an election. Um, That would definitely make history. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, I I can't imagine he would get in the way of what will otherwise be a declaration of victory by him. Uh, Virtually all the nominees that he endorsed uh, are running in this general election, and a lot of them are going to get elected. So why get in the way of declaring victory tonight or tomorrow night for him uh, by stepping on his own story?
2: (laughs) Uh, There was concern inside the Oz campaign about having him not share a stage so much with Donald Trump, but with Doug Mastriano over the weekend. This, of course, the Republican nominee for governor. It looks like he will likely lose based on the numbers we're seeing now. Uh, But he, of course, has been, you know, a steadfast supporter of Trump, an election denier, and he was on stage, too.
3: Failure is not an option. We have to win. The future for our children and our freedom is at stake. But I know in three days there's going to be a new day in P.A.
2: Is I mean, is that baggage for Dr. Oz or are voters in Pennsylvania, Rick, are Republicans in Pennsylvania able to draw the line between the two?
4: Yeah, I, they, they will draw the line they between will. the two. I mean, so ballots there's no are indication split. that, you know, uh, uh, Oz has coattails, right, which would drag mm-hmm. in uh, Mastriano. And, and and Mastriano is not, not obviously driving any vote, right? I mean, he's yeah. he's not got enough money and enough attention. Uh, to have any power around the vote. So he'll, he'll be sort of left behind by voters.
2: And that's the ballot splitting that we could see in multiple states, Jeannie.
1: We can. You know, we expect maybe to see that, for instance, in Georgia. you may have, Yeah. Yeah. Or people don't vote down ballot. That's a possibility as Mm -hmm. well. But I think the, you know, Oz appearing on stage with Mastriano, that is problematic for Oz because Oz has the last few days been trying to sell himself as a moderate to attract these very important suburban, moderate, Mm -hmm. independent voters. And appearing on stage with Mastriano and also Donald Trump, he's walking a very fine line. And that's a difficult thing for him to swallow. He did it. We're going to have to see if it paid off. You know, we famously remember Youngkin did not do that. He did not hug close to Trump and he won. So if Oz doesn't win, we're going to be looking at this weekend to see Mm -hmm. did this rally and his appearance with these two, uh, you know, these two Republicans impact turnout amongst independents and support for him. We're
2: going to connect in a moment with Senator Ben Cardin Uh, who's going to be taking part in a a pretty big rally tonight involving President Biden, you know, closing uh, arguments, as I mentioned, in Bowie, Maryland. Before we do, though, just to get uh, for both of you, in terms of the House uh, goes, you're going to be watching early tomorrow a couple of important races in Virginia. Will Abigail Spanberger and uh, Elaine Loria tell us what's going to happen the rest of the night, Rick?
4: Yeah, I I think they are a strong indication, right? These are you know flipper districts, uh both of them are slightly Biden districts mm-hmm. by three percent and six percent. Mm-hmm. And um and 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 if you are having anything close to a red wave, they go down um uh early in the evening. And I would say watch out for Virginia ten too, because if it is a red wave, uh Wexler goes down in the same pile that uh the other Democrats will. Yeah. And and that will be the first indication that a Plus six, plus eight, Democratic district is going Republican, and and then Katie bar the door. You're at thirty or forty. Uh, so if we members. see
2: those two lose, those Democratic incumbents lose in the early hours tomorrow, Jeannie, it's trouble for Democrats.
1: It 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 could look like a wave. The other yeah. one I would watch, in addition to Virginia ten, would be Indiana one. If okay. we see that flip, that is going to signify something of a tsunami on the Republican We've got two side. Two
2: experts here on how to watch this take place tomorrow. Rick and Jeannie are with us for the hour as we now bring in Senator Ben Cardin. As I mentioned, Democrat from Maryland is not up uh, for re-election here on his way to see President Biden at an event in Bowie. Senator, welcome back to Bloomberg.
6: It's good to be with you, particularly at this time when uh, the nation is so focused on the midterm elections.
2: Well, you're on your way, in fact, to a rally with President Biden later on uh, tonight. God love Bowie State. Is the president an asset, senator, or a liability at this stage of the campaign?
6: Oh, he's an asset. Uh, his record uh, is very much appreciated by the people of Maryland. Uh, I think you're going to find that the results on tomorrow be very positive uh, in regards to the Democrats and in response to what President Biden has done. It's interesting. He started uh, this campaign cycle in Montgomery County, Maryland, but is ending it in Prince George's County, Maryland. So we're very proud. President Biden and the, the fact that he has been in Maryland so frequently.
2: I see Wes Moore is up by something like 30 points in the race for governor. I think 538 gives him uh, 99 out of 100, which has got to be a pretty good feeling going into a race. Uh, is it nice to not be running, though, to, to be able to to, to rally and, and act as a surrogate and not have to worry about your own campaign?
6: Well, quite frankly, it is. Uh, I, I love campaigning, but Particularly now I can campaign and not worry about my own election, but can really focus on where I can help other candidates. So I've been spending my time not only in Maryland, but in other parts of the country in order to help Democrats.
2: Polls show a real uphill climb for Democrats on Capitol Hill, as opposed to in the state of Maryland. House and Senate uh, were told could uh, turn Republican. Do you believe these numbers?
6: Well, we know the traditional thoughts about midterm elections would be a party that where the president uh, is in power. Mm-hmm. So we recognize the historic uh, trends here. But we think we have a good story to tell. We think it's, it's been receptive to the voters around the country. So uh, we have great candidates running uh, for uh, the United States Senate, for Congress. So, and Governor, we're, we're optimistic that we're going to beat some of the projections.
2: Well, you know, Republicans say they're better equipped to manage the economy, with inflation being the big issue in the campaign. You don't need me to tell you that. Uh, this, of course, though, is a global problem. We're told the Fed is busy hiking interest rates. How if Democrats allowed Republicans to own that issue? You just passed the Inflation Reduction Act, Senator.
6: Well, I think President Biden has a really strong record, but the truth is that American families are hurting through no fault of President Biden or the actions in Congress. It, it is a global situation, as you pointed out, particularly with the war in Ukraine and energy prices. But the facts are that people are upset. They're upset about their energy costs. They're upset about their food costs. They're upset about being able to afford the essentials of life. We fully understand that. And uh, at times, uh, that could very well have a negative impact on the party in power. So Mm -hmm. we recognize the risk factors here. Life isn't always fair. Elections aren't always fair. But the voters get the last say.
2: Well, it's interesting because, you know, the Democrats have accused Republicans of, you know, being the dog that caught the car when it comes to Roe v. Wade. Are you going to say the same thing about inflation when Kevin McCarthy or someone else is in charge?
6: Well, no, I, I believe in being very partisan on elections. Uh, to get as so many Democrats elected as possible. When, when elections are over, you've got to govern, whether you're in the majority or the minority. So I am hopeful that once uh, the election results are in, We're going to find a new sense of purpose, Hmm. and we can get things done.
2: Why is Wes Moore up more than 30 points, but other Democrats around the country are locked in such tight races, Senator?
6: I think Wes Moore's message is one that resonates with the people of Maryland, not the people of this country. Uh, He says that we're all in this together. He wants to leave no one behind. Uh, He wants to invest in areas to improve education and opportunity for all Marylanders. Uh, it's a very strong message. He's a charismatic uh, speaker. Uh, he gives hope. He's a visionary for our future. And he's the type of leader I think Maryland want, Marylanders want to see.
2: I'm going to ask you lastly about two things that are very close to your heart. One would be workers, the other, crabs. Temporary <laughs> worker visas, Senator, of course, huge for the seafood industry. Which party can get more workers here, more manpower to responsibly farm Maryland crabs?
6: Well, we are very proud that uh, President Biden has used all the discretion he has to increase the H2B worker visas so that we, we have the seafood industry has what it needs. So I think Democrats have delivered in regards to seasonal workers. Congress needs to respond. And here's where we need to have Democrats and Republicans working together to modernize our immigration laws and provide an adequate number of worker visas.
2: I'll take a dozen large right now, Senator. I'm figuring you <laughs> feel you, the same way.
6: If you know what the weather was today, I think people who wanted to be outside eating steamed crabs. I agree with you. If,
2: I'm Yeah, uh, I'm in DC. I'm ready for it. I'll, I, but I need, I need some vinegar and spices on the side. How do you take it?
6: Well, I, I agree with you. I'm I'm a somewhat of a purist, but, uh, <laughs> so, uh, but it's a, it's, it, it's a great tradition in our state. Only Maryland knows how to, to make a crab cake or how to prepare crabs. So we're, we're very proud of, of our role uh, the- in regard to the Maryland crabs.
2: There's no such thing as a Democratic crab or a Republican one, Senator.
6: Well, you know, they're blue crabs. So That's true.
2: <laughs> I stand corrected. <laughs> Senator Ben Cardin, Democrat from Maryland, our regards to the president and Bowie State while we're at it. Coming up, Ryan Teek with On Ballot Splitting Tomorrow. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. This is Bloomberg.
0: Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Success is
3: more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. Start your journey at steeple.com That's S-T-I-F-E-L dot com.
2: Stiefel, Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. It's a pretty impressive number for a midterm election cycle. More than 40 million people have already voted. Early votes that, of course, have been controversial in themselves, at least in terms of, you know, concept following the 2020 campaign with a lot of election deniers, including Donald Trump, suggesting that they are somehow compromised. Carrie Lake would tell you that. Ryan Teek Beckwith joins us now. Bloomberg News National Politics Report has been an awfully busy guy and sure will be for the next couple of days here. Ryan, you've been very helpful helping us understand some of the trends across the country in this cycle. What does that 40 million number tell you?
7: Uh, I mean, I think that shows that early voting is here to stay. We really only have three or four states left in which there's no option to either early vote in person or by mail. And one of those is Connecticut, where they're going to be voting on that in November. So I think we'll we pretty much should get used to this being the pattern. What we have seen, like in recent days, is some in Arizona, some uh, Republicans now suggesting that, hey, maybe you should get out and early vote um, after they have spent a lot of time telling people that they should vote only on Election Day, which I think is an indicator they're a little nervous about this.
2: Well, we've also seen it in some states. Uh, fairly split between Democrats and Republicans, right? This is not this is not just a progressive trend.
7: No. And, and actually, it's long been older voters who really yeah. appreciate the option to vote by mail and to early vote. Uh, and, and you can see if you look at the uh, information from the U.S. Elections Project that older voters are, in fact, the the ones who have taken the most advantage of the early voting Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think that we're seeing more of a partisan split now with these early votes are really Democratic and they've banked a lot of these. The question is whether there's a real surge of people showing up on Election Day uh, Republicans uh, that offsets that.
2: Well, that said, uh, of course, it is also going to take us a little bit longer to find out who the heck won some of these races. Uh, A state like Pennsylvania, for instance, does not begin counting the early votes uh, until the polls close. Right. That's going to start at eight o'clock, which could mean days before we know.
7: Right. Now it's not the counting even, it's the processing. So when you vote by mail, you have to put it in a special envelope and sign it. And they have to, they have to take it out of that envelope. They have to double check that your signature matches and all of that. That takes time to do Mm -hmm. that. The counting is pretty fast once you're done with that, but they don't allow them to begin processing them like they do in some other States like Florida. So that's why in some States where they have vote by mail, they immediately have results when the polls close because they can just click tabulate on those machines But in Pennsylvania, it's going to take them a while to unpack those and flay them flat and run them through the machine and confirm the signature. So we may not know Pennsylvania, um, other than the governor's race, we may not know until Saturday. So how
2: does Ryan Teague Beckwith tackle this then tomorrow? What are you watching in the early hours, Ryan?
7: Uh, I think tomorrow should be pretty quiet. It's an election day. Those are usually pretty boring during the day. But once the polls close and we start to get a sense of where the votes are headed I am really uh, on high alert for similar efforts to 2020 where someone decides that this isn't right. Our side should be winning or whatever, Um, particularly looking at the city of Detroit. There's election deniers running for multiple uh, statewide positions in Michigan who've already kind of indicated that they may contest it if they lose. Uh, So I'll be watching that closely tomorrow.
2: Fascinating. Stay with us, Ryan. Uh, We look forward to talking with you again, whether it's tomorrow or the day after. Ryan Teague Beckwith, find his work on the terminal. He has been just doing incredible work here, tracking the so-called deniers and exactly what will happen to them tomorrow night. We'll find out on Wednesday, hopefully in a conversation with Ryan. I'd love to follow up there. As we reassembled our panel, Rick and Jeannie are with us. Considering the impact of early voting, or at least the, the phenomenon of early voting, uh, Rick, Donald Trump and Kerry Lake are telling people there's something wrong here, but a lot of Republicans are are enjoying this as an option. And as Ryan said, it's here to stay. Why not embrace it?
4: Yeah, why not embrace it? I'm totally with you. Uh, uh, a lot of Republican strategists and operatives I know all around the country just scratch their head. If I can get a vote you know, early, I yeah. can count that vote. It's in my pocket. I can focus on other voters. Right. Uh, take them off the list. Don't have to call them 10 times on Election Day. Uh, It's a good thing. And these are the laws. Right. And people, regardless of whether they were on the books before COVID or after, uh, it's a real convenience item for voters. And and we've always tried to find ways of spurring higher voter turnout. And there's a lot of evidence uh, in the last three election cycles that we are having record voter turnout, Mm -hmm. not in small part because we've made it easier for people to vote. That's a good thing. Right.
2: Uh, This was a Democratic Uh, sort of idea. At least it was framed in 2020, Jeannie. But as Ryan points out, a lot of older retirees who might vote Republican really like this option as well is this the future of voting?
1: I think it is. I think early voting, mail-in balloting, any way to make it easier for people to exercise this right. I have to tell you, I was telling Rick earlier, this is the first year I've ever early voted by mail. I've always gone to the polls and I really relished the idea. Couldn't do it this year, so I early voted. It's convenient and it does give people an option that they don't have for people who are working, people who are elderly, people who can't get to the polls on that day. So I do think we're we're going to see more and more of this. And to Rick's point, from a campaign perspective, it allows the candidates in the campaigns to focus on voters they may not otherwise be able right. to focus on. And that is a boon for any campaign. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump telling people not to vote may have cost them <laughs> the Georgia Senate both of those seats in well, 2020. Yes, he shouldn't right. be repeating that.
2: We have seen that movie. Because it's popular for both parties, though, Rick, you can't. I mean, how do you tell uh, who's this who, who these 40 million votes are favoring?
4: Well, in Arizona, it's pretty easy, right, because you track votes by counties and by precincts, and you actually uh, get updates from the uh, registrar's office on a regular
2: basis. So as the Not campaign on who goes on hold a ballot then but on who returned one
4: uh who returned one or where they live right okay. what's their zip code yep. because like everything we live in the places we have common political interests mm-hmm. right and so you know you can pretty much bracket any community in arizona and most other states that aren't you know vote by registration and yeah. know uh where the republicans live where the democrats live and and what the tendencies are I would uh, say
2: that things are pretty even though right in a state like arizona
4: Yeah. I mean, at least in
2: terms of the early vote, the the reality is early vote should be
4: substantially in the Democratic favor. That's the typical Arizona voting pattern Uh, we've seen in the last two cycles, though, that Republicans started taking advantage of early voting. uh, Maybe even starting around covid and and Mm -hmm. they've adopted it. So talking them out of it is (laughs) is just adding a hurdle to Election Day. Uh, And the other thing I would say is it does make it a little easier to count. Right. I mean, like if you able to get to it first.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We had to do this because, well, it is the final countdown. Jeannie, are you ready? I'm ready, I can ready, feel Joe the energy <laughs> from coming across the table here like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> That's right, right. I, I have one more opportunity to talk to these two about some important trends here, including some of what we heard from Donald Trump. and might hear tonight. This is Bloomberg.
0: You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time.
3: Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com.
2: Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. It was almost the biggest applause line of the night for Donald Trump. That would be when he decided to swear. It doesn't take a lot. And I realize today as I'm preparing for the show and I'm bleeping the former president of the United States once again, I've never had to bleep a crowd before. So the speech he made was total, you know what? Yeah. I won't use it because my wife always
4: says, she always says, Darling, don't use the word "bullshit." So I'm not going to
0: use it. Tell him, first lady.
2: One of his favorite words. She there. Said, don't
0: the- use that word.
2: But this is an applause.
4: Please don't use that word. So ah, didn't. see,
2: please. It almost has a rhythm to it as we reassemble the panel. Rick and Jeannie are with us, of course. Bloomberg politics contributors. Really, I never had to bleep a crowd before. But that wasn't the real applause line of the night. It was the stay tuned.
4: Stay tuned to tomorrow night in the great state of Ohio. Stay tuned. We have a big, we have a big rally there
3: uh-huh.
4: for J.D. We have a big, big, big rally Stay tuned tomorrow
2: night in Ohio. After he added another very, it was very, 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 very probably going to announce for the White House. Does he do that tonight, Jeannie? I... On the eve of voting?
1: Let us hope he does, Joe. I would love to see it. I'd love to see if it really upends the campaign. I don't think he will because (laughs) it makes little sense. But then again, can't predict what Donald Trump is going to do. We
2: talked about this last week and they were saying the 14th of November at that point. And I think I asked you at the time, Rick, if it was actually beneficial to clear the field as opposed to deal with the financial implications of announcing now. Do You feel any differently tonight?
4: Only that maybe his lawyers met with him and said, hey, the indictment oh, is pending any yeah. time now. And the sooner you're a candidate, the more likely is is you'll slip the l- legal knot. Um, but huh. I would really be curious to see um, J.D. kiss my gluteus maximus uh, <laughs> Trump on the stage when he announces for president tonight. That would really be entertaining.
2: Yeah, that's, uh, that's one way to interrupt the, the, the news flow here. I mean, that would be the front page headline to Maragini instead of J.D. Vance poised to win.
1: Yeah, poor J.D. He's going there to get some support, get some more votes tomorrow, and he's, you know, it'll be stunning if Donald Trump puts his own interest (laughs) ahead of somebody else. A lot
2: of people made a big deal about the—he's got a nickname now, by the way. How did Rhonda Sanctimonious play with you guys? I thought that was pretty good.
4: Anytime you can insert yourself in a commercial with God, you're probably overreaching a little bit. But,
2: But, you you know, know. look, so I don't know how Donald Trump tests out the nicknames— he might have one for each of you. I don't know. But this one really, actually, they loved it. He was reading poll numbers on Friday night. Rhonda Sanctimonious
4: at 10%. Mike Pence at 7 Oh, Mike's doing better than
2: I thought. Zing. Liz Cheney, there's no way she's at 4%. <laughs> there's no way. Rhonda Sanctimonious, uh... Did he come up with that in a day after this this you know, given by God ad came out on the eighth day? Are there other ones out there? It makes you wonder. But this is the ad, if you didn't see this, that apparently inspired the nickname. This came out on Friday, a Ron DeSantis uh, campaign ad on the
3: eighth day. And on the eighth day, God looked down on his planned paradise and said, <laughs> "I need a protector." So God made a fighter. Black and white footage. God said, I
6: need somebody willing to get up before dawn, kiss his family goodbye, travel thousands of miles for no other reason than to serve the people, to save their jobs, their livelihoods, their liberty, their happiness.
2: Of course, he doesn't travel thousands of miles. He lives a little closer to the office. Uh, Right. Rick, did you ever think about invoking God? And I mean, he's the anointed one. He's, according to Donald Trump, the sanctimonious.
4: Yeah, no, this is a stretch. <laughs> I think that uh, he's carving new ground on sort of what people are willing to buy in the package of he's my governor. I like him a lot, but did God really make <laughs> Ron, DeSantis on the eighth day? By uh, the way, was that
2: God? Or and was by it the way, Paul how come
4: we're getting hurricanes if we've got God on <laughs> right. his right side? <laughs>
2: That's true enough. Uh, that didn't sound as much like God to me. Remember, hello, Americans.
4: This is Paul Harvey. Stand
2: by for news. <laughs> he kind of had the voice of God, Genie, I guess. But are they trying to by, – by the way, Paul Harvey, you know, God-fearing, evangelical. He was incredibly popular among uh, evangelical Christians and conservatives. Not an accident. They made it sound like him, right?
1: No, it's not. And and if if we didn't know this was real, Joe, I would think you had stayed up all night, or this was some kind of <laughs> SNL skit. Well, you know, I have to burst one bubble, which is okay. that Donald Trump did not come up with a desanctimonious sanctimonious oh no, moniker tell, Oh, please oh please because me. I like to do research for you, Joe. Yeah, it was actually Roger Stone who posted it on Telegram. Could hear him and, saying it too. Yeah, and, and he came up with <laughs> he, <and> he <laughs> warned Ron De sanctimonious not to try to run against Trump and he would wow. regret it and Trump has invoked it. It's a little shocking. He took away from the candidates the other night to talk about yeah, himself, but right. he did. But this run to sanctimonious <laughs> ad invoking God 10 times that God made in, in him governor seconds. of Florida. Mm-hmm. It's, it's too much to believe until you watch it. And it's the most viral video. That's uh, we've well, yeah. seen so, this, this cycle. So he, they did something right.
2: Yeah. Maybe it worked then, Rick. This is, is this good politics. Well, just cause
1: it's viral doesn't mean it's having a positive <laughs> I'm
4: impact. You. I mean, Yeah, You know, we're talking about it almost as if it is a joke. Jeannie's right. I mean, when I first saw it, I thought, oh, somebody made this up. Uh But the fact that it was, quote, sent out by his wife brings it pretty close to home, right? It wasn't like he can say, hey, I didn't know what she was doing. I mean,
2: I would have never agreed to that. (laughs) Uh, We should uh, note, yes, his wife uh, tweeted that. Uh, Tweeting today, Elon Musk. I didn't think this was going to be a daily thing, guys, but I guess it's going to be for a minute. Uh, This is the new owner of Twitter, of course, the richest man in the world, Tesla, SpaceX and so on. Quote, shared power curbs, the worst excesses of both parties. Therefore, I recommend voting for a Republican Congress, given the presidency is Democratic, unquote, to his more than 110 million followers. Is Elon Musk uh, aiming to be the most important endorsement? in politics
1: is that what this new platform has for him yeah i think he is he's pushed kathy griffin off of the off yeah, of twitter and you it. know and and you know just as one example what does it do when you have divided government it you know it may a lot of people believe what he is saying but the reality is it makes it harder for voters to know who to hold accountable when mm-hmm. you have divided government it makes democracy harder because as people go to vote in 2024 Who do they hold accountable for what has or hasn't happened? And so it works to the politicians. It works to the people in government. It works to the people who are in office. It doesn't work so well for voters. And that's where one of the fallacies of this argument that divided government Hmm. is a good thing.
2: Well, you know, Wall Street always said uh, gridlock is good. Uh, Rick, are the markets going to love that idea? Uh, well, we're, we're going to see Just pretty stop soon changing I think, things. Right? Just stop doing things, right. watching
4: Do nothing for yeah. a while and let the rest of the country, you know, take care of itself. Mm-hmm. And look, that's always been um, uh, one theory of government, right? The less they do, the better off the country is. The power of the market systems and and what we can accomplish on our own. Uh, we're not a nanny society, right? We don't expect to be taken care of, and yeah. sometimes the government overreaches into those kinds of things. So, mm-hmm. sure, absolutely, it could be uh, 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 one of those sort of impacts, but. Jeannie could be right, too. I mean, you know, people want to get things done. We've gotten used to, especially during this COVID period, government intervening in virtually every aspect of our lives. What happens when they go cold turkey for the next two years? Uh If Republicans win in the Senate and the House, there may be a few pieces of legislation that the president would be willing to sign, but probably not many. And so the question is,
2: you know, how's the country going to react to that? And at that point, if we're trying to climb out of a recession, With a rising unemployment rate, Jeannie, you're not going to get any stimulus money to fix it, are you?
1: You're not. Not I mean, government will, to a certain extent, grind to a halt unless a miracle occurs and Republicans and the president can agree to pass legislation. And, of course, then you defer power to the states and you get vastly different policies out of these 50 very different states if you get anything at all. And you get a patchwork of government. You get a patchwork of policies. Mm -hmm. If people want change governmental division of power is not the way to get it if they want things to remain the same he's absolutely right go divide your vote
2: if people were already concerned about elon musk owning and running this thing twitter he could have tweeted that as just a member of the universe but as the owner of twitter uh, how much of an impact might that have and is that any different than the head of any media company doing this or the the head of a fortune 500 company endorsing a candidate or a party
4: Look, as chief twit, he has sort of a higher, you know, profile than he even had with his original 100 million Twitter followers, right? And so certainly for the moment, there's no question that eyes are on uh, Elon Musk, and and he has influence now. Whether or not he's really using it, you know, tweeting the night before the election, Mm -hmm. um, it really raises questions, right? Who's who's he really trying to motivate here, Mm -hmm. right? Is anybody going to change their vote based on what they read by him today? Um, and uh, and I'd say that he was being more political than persuasive, and
2: so he's just having fun now,
4: right? We'll see. I think he's trying to buy influence, right? Yeah. I mean, like if you're the head of Twitter and you see what's going on on Capitol Hill, you're sure. about to go under the gun, How right? True. Whether Republicans or Democrats win in the House and Senate. Big tech is going to be on the hot seat, and that includes Elon Musk and the
2: Twitters. Wow. So may as well curry a little bit of favor now while you have the chance, Jeannie.
1: That's right. Or does he
2: motivate Democrats to get out tomorrow because they're so upset about everything Elon Musk does right now.
1: Well, that could be, too. And, you know, there's always a question whether, you know, these endorsements like Oprah Winfrey or Elon Musk speaking out matter. And I think we're going to have to see that tomorrow night.
2: The next time we talk, the polls will be just about to close. And I'll be walking down the hall into the studio with Rick and Jeannie for special coverage. I hope you come along. I'll meet you back here tomorrow on the Fastest Hour in Politics. This is Bloomberg.
7: The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor q Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at Qatar Economic
4: Forum.com.